Coming up on Verse Chorus Verse from the band that brought you Kokomo, it's Pet Sounds. <laughs> That's how you wanted me to start it, right, Carrie? That couldn't have been more perfect. <laughs> I see your face. I'm going to see you guys later and have a great night. This has been really fun. Bye. Uh, welcome to episode 117 of Verse Course Verse. I am DL. With me is Sven. Sven, who do you like more, the Beatles or the Beach Boys, Knudsen? Dude, that is not even a fair question. Absolutely it is. No matter how I answer, I'm going to piss off half of the people listening right now. Oh, I mean, that's, that's the plan. That I is the that's plan. Half this episode, right? Like, I don't think you can talk about an album like this without pissing somebody off. Yeah, somehow. that's probably true. That's probably true. Okay, so I'm going to play bad guy then. I don't know where Carrie... I'm guessing since you picked the album, but I'm, I'm going to say Beatles just to be the devil's advocate. He already spoiled it, which is okay. But we're I not know. alone tonight. <laughs> We're not. With us is the one and only, if you listen to this podcast, you know her, Carrie Kirkland. Carrie, how are you doing tonight? I am glorious, wrapped in bacon. Yes! That's very, very glorious. Sounds like a very cozy place to be. Right? Yeah. Carrie is, she's done a few things in her life. Trapeze artist, singer, business owner. Great. Do you grow grapefruits? I think I remember you saying that you have a... I do. Yeah. Grapefruits and many other citrus fruit. Canadian... With two albums to her name, Wild is the Win, and just released If When You Go. Great friend of the pod. Hope it stays that way. It better, as it's great to be here, unless we uh, really hit it hard tonight. I don't see it changing. <laughs> Hopefully you're not still hungover when you go to climb your mountain next week. <laughs> <laughs> I already have a lack of oxygen in my body. I don't need any less. That's perfect. <laughs> Let us know why you are climbing a mountain. For those of you that have been regular listeners of the pod, you know that last time Carrie was on, she couldn't drink because she was just about to give a donation to uh, somebody she knew. So why don't you refill us in? I was really depressed because I couldn't drink for a long time uh, before my surgery to give away my left kidney to another musician in Seattle. And I was on your show and part of the big thing I was looking forward to was what are we drinking tonight? So Mm -hmm. I was really sad that I couldn't be a part of that, but I did donate my kidney and it did go really well. And in the time between we talked last, I have produced a new album and also started, helped to start a nonprofit organization called Living Donor Adventures that uh, raises awareness about being a living donor of whatever organ you or your donation center chooses you're fit to do, taking away some of the questions and the stigma about being a living human being who gives away part of their body and that you can still do really cool things after that. And uh, so we are climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in a couple of weeks. That's amazing. I also, I have to apologize. I didn't realize that this was a 
nonprofit you had put together. I thought that this was just something you were taking part of, but now I'm looking at your, we've got livingdonoradventures.com. I mean, this is a whole thing. Yeah, I built a website and I'm on a board with nine other people. And we are hoping that we can make this a thing where we do all kinds of different adventures, not just climbing mountains, but all different kinds of things that people who are donors Mm -hmm. and recipients and people who are thinking about being donors and, you know, family members or any of that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's really exciting. And the fact that Bonnie Raitt just won Song of the Year for a song about organ donation is pretty much the most badass best thing that's happened this year in my world. So yeah. It's it's, fantastic. Awareness is growing, which is great. People listening, they know how much we love Bonnie Raitt around these parts. Yes. Oh yeah. Right. I used to whitewater raft a lot. So if you ever decide to do a whitewater rafting trip. Yep. That's on the list. If I have to donate anything, I am willing. (laughs) Anybody out there, let me know. I don't know that you want these overly used body parts, but. Dude, I'm going to call you on that. I totally will. I don't know how much liquor has or hasn't been filtered or how they do that, but (laughs) I don't know. Look at those raisins of the kidneys that you got (laughs) there. "Um." (laughs) It's always a no until you get tested. So there you go. There we go. We have carry on. On our next episode, we are going to interview her we're going to talk about her new album which Sven and I both love but tonight we are not here for that tonight we are here because for some reason Carrie is also a listener of the pod where this came from is the last time her and I sat down and talked she gave me a long list of her influences which is a big mistake because I don't think she realized at the time that I was going to meticulously go through every single one of them. One of the ones that she put down was the album Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Probably one of the most talked about albums of all time. And I had never listened to it. Sometimes there are certain albums that you purposefully, you just kind of stay away from. And this was one of them. So I said, Carrie, you have to come back next year. And I think we need to talk about Pet Sounds. Are you regretting that, Carrie? I am 100% not regretting it because... Because there are so many questions. You actually set out to not listen to this in your life. You made a point of not listening to it because you knew it was just going to open too many bags of beans or, or what's your reasoning? Not in my life. I think there's just certain bands and albums that I'd kept in the back pocket. Is this like how I never watched the Rocky movies? Yeah. But it's not because you never wanted to. It's because you're like, you know, someday when I'm this old, I'm going to sit down and watch it. And I'm like, that was fantastic. Is it going to be fantastic? Yeah. Rocky? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No worries there, Carrie. (laughs) Yeah. You are in for a treat. I stand true that this is definitely one of the most influential albums of all time. Yeah. I don't think once you start researching, even for me, who is a diehard and sorry, people, I'm a diehard Beatles over Beach Boys guy. But even then, once you start reading about this album, once you start reading about what the Beatles said about this album, there's no denying how freaking influential it is. It's crazy. Sven. Yeah. How comfortable were you with this album? before starting to research for it? Um, I, I wouldn't say that I like. I mean, I was not super familiar, but like Beach Boys taught me to sing harmony. Yeah. So that's kind of my exposure and kind of my, where I'm coming from. Now, a lot of what I listened to and knew as Beach Boys, I didn't really like pay attention to what album songs came off of. This is classic Sven, right? Like I listened to songs 
And don't necessarily always, when you're listening to streams and you're like, you put on the Spotify, this is Beach Boys. I do that kind of stuff a lot. I'm listening Mm -hmm. to mixes, playlists, things like that. For me, it was surprising to actually go through this album and realize like, the songs that were on the track list, what I had never put it together all in one album. It was very new. It was a first time experience listening to it as a collection. That's one of the main themes for me that is vitally important for this album. Yeah. You can't just pick one or two songs from it and be like, oh yeah, that's Beach Boys. You can, because I think a lot of people do that. It's not advisable, maybe. Yeah. I think you could still pick two songs off this album that are definitively Beach Boys. You would know like that is classic Beach Boys sound, not the whole album. Yeah. But I, I, don't, albums. I don't think you'd be lost if you said to somebody, hey, here's these two songs. Well, like everyone knows the first track, right? Like, Absolutely. Don't go there yet. Don't do it, okay, Sven. okay, but still, <laughs> that no, I think you're right. We're gonna touch on that, but we can't do it yet. All right, okay, let's settle down. We got to talk about the most important part of the night first. <laughs> We're gonna skip all the important stuff and just dive right into music as if this is like a music podcast or something. Eh, a little bit. Eh. <laughs> it's also a drinking podcast. Carrie, it you is. get to drink with us tonight. What are you drinking? Yes, yes, I, I get to drink tonight. I am drinking. A rum sour in honor of your typical whiskey sours. I do, love uh, but I knew sour. that if I drank whiskey, I would get wasted super fast, <laughs> and so I went with rum. I would really be upset with myself if I got super wasted talking about pet sounds. That it would be like fun. A good night to me, but it'd be fun. I get it. Rum, lemon juice, egg white, and simple syrup, and it is delicious. It sounds delicious. What type of rum did you use? This is Mount Gay. Ooh, good choice. Yeah. Svent, what do you have? Nothing nearly as delicious or fancy. I'm sticking with IPAs. And this one, yeah, shocker, right? This one is, um, it's from Sockeye Brewing. Again, I stick into something local. That's a great brewery. Dagger Falls IPA. This is an insanely hoppy IPA at 100 IBUs. And I don't think I can find others. 100? Same. A hundred. And this is just their standard, like you go in and order an IPA. This is what they give you. It's is not it like good? A, mm. It's awesome. I love the bitter. <laughs> Carrie is shaking See? her head. I'd rather eat my own hair. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, if you drink a beer and you feel like you just took a face full of pine tree, have you ever done that like skiing or snowboarding and you go off the trail and you're going through the trees and then you catch a branch in the face? That flavor. Yeah, I, I know you, you guys want. are looking at me. Mm-hmm. Um, really selling it. Spent. I am, aren't I? Just take a tree branch in the face. That's how awesome this beer is. Well, I'm not drinking tree branch water in honor of... <laughs> Sorry, Sven. In honor of Carrie, and I think I might have been drinking this the last time. It's a clear glass. No, it's a Paloma. Oh. Tequila, a little bit of lime, grapefruit, a little bit of club soda, a little bit of simple syrup. If we had done this from my house, we could have had the fresh grapefruit. I know. Just saying. Next time. Road trip. Road trip. Come on down. Plenty of room. That's uh, year five when we're millions of viewers and making all the money. The live episode. (sighs) We can't stall anymore. We have to talk about (laughs) this album. I can't believe once again. I can't really blame you, Carrie, for this. So I have to kind of blame myself. But You fully have to blame yourself. I mean, (laughs) this whole thing was... You keep saying it's my idea, but the fact is you asked me for influences. And then when I told you my least favorite song of all time, well, second least favorite song of all time, that was when this became a thing. Sven, you know what her first least favorite song of all time is? you even drag me into this? I don't know. the Yeah, tell me. It's about a musician. My... (laughs) 
<laughs> My least favorite song of all time is The Little Drummer Boy. I didn't mention that at first. What I told them was my second least favorite song of all time, which is Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Yeah. If I hear either of those songs, <laughs> it's instant getting a fork, putting it in my ear over and over and over again to make it. You know what sucks is there's no way in hell I can get the rights to that because God, that should be the intro song to this to this episode. We got to get into this uh, freaking album. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. are back pet sounds ladies and gentlemen by the beach boys we're going to do our best this is one of those albums that could probably be about a three-parter we don't have <laughs> we don't have the time or the resources for that so we're just going to get into it released on may of 1966 through capitol records produced by mr brian wilson himself four different studios actually mostly in sunset sound it is a cool crisp 35 minutes long why is this an influence of yours when did it start very similarly to Sven, the use of the voice as an instrument is so incredible in this mm -hmm. album actually the reason i heard this album was because i'm a huge huge xtc fan and when i was a late teens i was listening to xtc almost non-stop and i remember playing it for a friend of mine and he said wow you must be a huge beach boys fan and i was like uh wait what now he said well clearly like this is where this is coming from so then i had to deep dive uh. into beach boys and sort of the surf music and california bubblegum pop stuff i was like okay yeah i can see it's good but eh, mm, eh. it wasn't until i heard california girls for the first time and i thought now that's different i heard california girls the Am I allowed to say the band? The David because Lee Roth version. Then we have to. Then we have to drink. <laughs> we'll just say David Lee Roth singing "California Girls." Of course, I I was young. I didn't I didn't know. Of course, I had heard the Beach Boys version of that, and I was like, "Wow, the chord changes, the quality of what's going on here is really really interesting." And then I heard Pet Sounds. Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time because I was too young to really understand. Like this was the first concept album that was really ever made. It wasn't designed to be just singles. It was yeah. designed to be heard as a whole. That was so intriguing to me because up until that point, I was listening to singles all over the place. I didn't understand that an album could be about a thing, that the whole yeah. album was meant to be consumed as a single meal. Hearing the difference between the early Beach Boys stuff, mm -hmm. which really wasn't about very much besides no. Cars and Cars girls and, and women surfing. And yeah. Yep. All of a sudden, there are these broader ideas and things about relationships and things that felt really raw and vulnerable and coming mm -hmm. of age totally changed my opinion of the Beach Boys. And discovering Brian Wilson was really the leader of this and the spearhead, it just opened up this whole new realm, which... Yeah. I found fascinating. I was kind of the exact same way with the Beach Boys in that, you know, I've never been a Beach Boys guy really at all, but I was also very, very aware of how incredibly talented they were vocally. Every song you heard, there were just these amazing backup vocals, but I didn't think anything about their songwriting because the songs you hear were 
fun, fun, fun and little surfer girl. And, and even the one off this one, I think one of the things that threw me off and I'm almost wondering if it was a purposeful thing by Brian Wilson because, and we'll get into how much of himself he put into this album. He was already kind of losing it. And I think this played a big part in hurting him mentally more, but even the first song on this, it's kind of a fake you out because I think that it's very, very and I think it's one of the tracks you were alluding to, Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. It would be nice. That <laughs> I mean, like, It's one of the, everybody knows that song, right? Like mm-hmm. even if you've never heard this album, like, name some Beach Boys songs and it's probably someone's going to throw that one out there. Yeah. It's not like the rest of the album. No. It's like, it's very Beatles. Beatles. Uh-oh. It started. Oh. It's <laughs> It's very Beach Boys. It lulls you into this. I get what you're saying about it, like purposefully, because then the rest of the album seems very much so different. a different beast. It sets you up for something and then it kind of pulls the rug out. But isn't that kind of brilliant to put yeah. the, the lead Absolutely. track as something that people would go, oh, yeah, this is the Beach Boys. I get it. And then, you know, hopefully they stick around and learn something new. It starts so upbeat and proper and i will tell you this uh the fact that i think i spent about an hour researching the first fucking like eight measures of this <laughs> album just trying to figure out where the hell they got the sound for the very beginning of wouldn't it be nice mm-hmm. which i found out is just they just say guitar arrangement so who even knows what the hell brian wilson put on I those think first i think it's ukulele well i think it's like five different types of ukulele this guitar this weird guitar it also almost sounds like it the pitch kind of messes i was fascinated just with the beginning of that song it's not the typical beach boys with the sort of 60s shuffle drums it's those big hits where hal blaine just comes in and is like this is happening now like it's like almost timpani yeah yeah huge it's brian and all the brothers sang on that and maybe mike love as well Mike Love. It was Mike Love. Mike Love's yes. his cousin. I saw in an interview that Brian wanted him because he's, he was young and he had this innocence about him. And he wanted, wouldn't it be nice to be this straightforward, all I want to do is spend every day with you. This thing is brand new. Let's get married and spend every second with each other. And as the album progresses, it's just such a real-time, passionate love affair. Man, it took me a really long time to even like this. But then when I started to understand it, which wasn't until probably like 72 hours ago, (laughs) it like clicked in my head. Oh, okay, this is, I now understand what is brilliant about this album. Do you hear the first song as something that's brand new? Because I hear it as an affair. Oh, shit. I hear it as he's in a relationship already because the second track, I've done mm-hmm. all these bad things and you still believe in me. Mm. That's almost yeah. like you're having that feeling, that thought of wouldn't it be nice if this could happen? But now oh. I'm going back to the person I'm with and saying like, I've messed up so many times, but you still take me back. I don't know. Like I'm no, speculating. I I'm like not. That because it's true. Song two is basically like a, a more well-written version of Confessions by Usher. It's like, <laughs> like uh, trying to, to like, oh, I feel so bad. Well, feel so bad. Don't have the affair, buddy. But right. damn, that's good. I just like the idea that it's kind of possible that it could be that and that it also could be just like fresh, brand new love. 
who knows? Well, I love, and you do too, Carrie, the super bright, happy song that once you actually start studying it, you're like, whoa, wait, yep. this ain't happy. <laughs> this is dark as shit. <laughs> and then that super happy, beautiful, melodic harmonizing by the Beach Boys, and then you're hearing what they're singing, and it's like, oh. Yeah, wait a minute. Was this a whole album experience for you, or were there tracks specifically that kind of fascinated you? I think it was just putting it all together that fascinated me. We've kind of said that, you know, like, I had never heard it all as, like, a composed album. And so mm -hmm. to me, that was fascinating to kind of dig into the journey. I think I'm probably slow to connect the dots when it comes to the story. I've still got homework to do there. For me, I will go as far as saying you could make an argument that this was the first like prog rock album. <laughs> I will go there. At least <laughs> prog rock wouldn't exist with that. And not just prog rock. I mean, there's a lot of offshoots of rock that I yeah. think exist because of this i kind of love that and i felt this sometimes listening and studying for this album is when you hear a prog rock album there are times where you're like okay this guy's just doing this to be an asshole <laughs> we needed a car horn right here or they put that that section in just to have something different yeah but and there is a part of this i think a big part of trying to understand this album and i'm not knocking brian wilson he's obviously a genius but i think there is a part of this where in my head i'm trying to figure out is he brilliant or is he just being neurotic and i have to have this random left field thing in this song right now you're talking about a guy who was abused as a child and mm -hmm. in a very bad situation where his self-worth relied on his father's giving that to him and that sort of dichotomy of you're a genius, I love you, you're making me tons of money and also you're crap and I, I hate you. All those things, they mess with your head. But then, you know, what I read about him trying LSD and not yeah. just trying LSD and like I'm one of those people that I've been told by people that that is something that I should never do because <laughs> I'm, I don't have the right personality for it. And I wonder, like, did when they say he did it, he didn't just do it, he did it hardcore. Yes. Did it over yes. and over. And, like, what did that open up? Because the way I've read about him describing this album and, you know, his next album, Smile, is that he already heard everything in his head. It was already there. He was just trying to find a way to get it out of his head and on to tape and all those sounds swirling around. And like I say, I've never done LSD, but from what I've heard, you hear things, you see things. And yeah. so there would be dogs and train whistles and cars going by and fire trucks and whatever, the whole thing, like that would be happening. Is that genius in the way of like Mozart could hear every song in his head? He just needed to write it down. Yep. Or is it a mental breakdown? paranoid schizophrenia where or are those the same things could it be mm -hmm. both yeah so the way that this whole album even came about is the beach boys were on tour brian wilson ducked out he couldn't tour anymore he was just having way too many mental health issues he had heard rubber soul this is out of brian wilson's mouth so this isn't lord this is interviews with brian wilson he heard Rubber Soul and said, shit, I need to come out with the greatest rock album ever because I think that was when he realized what the Beatles were going to be. And it was very important to him to go that same route to nobody's going to out brilliant me. Completely gave himself to this album. There are lots of stories of different composers and artists that kind of drove themselves insane 
trying to write that symphony or that album. And this is very much that story. The Beach Boys came back. Half of them, I think, were like, what the hell is this? Like, what is this crap that you're trying to get us to play? That alone is completely fascinating. So, you know, they were under huge pressure from the record label to come up with the next thing, which is always a thing, you know? And if you don't have enough time, if you're going on the road and you're touring, you're supposed to be writing, recording, producing your next album. How does that happen? So, you know, I know that his reasoning was that he was having anxiety, he was having panic attacks and and that kind of thing. He didn't want to be on the road anymore. But also there may very well have been the rational side of him going we got to write something. Somebody's got to write it. That's true. A lot of this from listening to interviews and watching stuff and listening to the, a lot of this was him figuring it out as he went. We can touch on this now. This is something else that in this way, this album made me completely rethink how I look at things. Because one of the problems that I've always had with albums like this, and it's kind of true for today with pop albums is you look at the liner notes you look at the track listings and you look at the personnel and you say oh well yeah if you get every you greatest get producer crew. and music exactly <laughs> you have the fucking wrecking crew it better be one of the best albums of all time okay sorry i'm gonna go off a little bit here then i'll let you talk again but one of the problems that i always had a lot of people say rubber soul led to pet sounds which led to sergeant pepper the problem for me with that is that leaves out Revolver, which the Beatles came out with the same year that Pet Sounds did, and I think is brilliant. And if you go to Revolver's track listing and the personnel, backup singers and and the strings for Eleanor Rigby, but everything else is four dudes. And then you go to an album like this, and it's the fucking wrecking crew. Carol Kay's on this goddamn album. I always saw that as a negative thing, but then I, I started studying for this and like, wait, why is that a bad thing? Why should I punish them for saying, yeah, we need the best people to make the best album? I noticed that mid-studying for this, my attitude changed. Yeah, you already mentioned Carol Kay, you got Glenn Campbell. These are people that have done the whole wall of sound technique. We touch on Phil Spector a little bit. When are we going to get to stop talking about Phil Spector? I don't think you ever can. Because like the the innovation of recording technique, yeah, you get the best of the best on it. You're using people who are familiar with at the time the most cutting edge way to record and techniques mm-hmm. of getting sounds as big as you want them to be. I don't know. It's like an album on steroids. It is. From a production standpoint. I mean, it's like, what else? Throw everything at it. And I was, you know, I was joking, but I I wasn't joking. We've talked a lot this year about Phil Spector, and we're going to keep talking about Phil Spector. An episode that will, I haven't recorded it yet, or I'm sorry, it hasn't released yet. But one of the episodes that's going to come out before this is episode on Ronnie Spector. Unfortunately, yeah, Phil Spector was who he was, but he was also possibly the most brilliant producer of all time. And because of that, Brian Wilson was completely obsessed with him. Be My Baby by the Ronettes was Brian Wilson's favorite song of all time. He put a lot of that into this album. Yeah, definitely. And he was 23. That's the other thing that blows my mind is Brian Wilson was 23 during these sessions. God, was he really? I'm trying to think of me as a 23-year-old. And could I have have put two thoughts together that made (laughs) sense? No, like hardly 23 and came up with a concept album like this. It makes me wonder if Mozart had taken LSD... What would have happened? God, if oh, I shit. ever have a time machine, <laughs> if they invent that, I don't know how, but I will dose Mozart. What were they doing back then? Like, 
laudanum? Absinthe? What did they? I don't absinthe know. and I don't know absinthe, if it was absinthe. Absinthe. some form of opiate. I'm Fermented sure. stuff and yeah. opioids of some sort. <laughs> No. Another song that I, I want to go over. It's hard to not go over every single song on this goddamn album. But <laughs> I just, I think I just wasn't made for these times. <sighs> Thank you. It's such a important look into Brian Wilson's mindset. It's, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but. You can say whatever my, you want. It's my favorite song on the album. I don't think it's the best song on the album but it's my favorite song on the album because it's so relatable. Yes. The lyrics are incredibly simple, but they so beautifully tell the story of someone who just feels lost and who feels like they don't fit in and they don't belong anywhere. To sum it up by sort of taking the onus off yourself and saying, it's not me. I guess I just wasn't made for right now. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not saying that you're flawed or broken. It's just saying, I feel all these things and I guess it's because of when I'm here. That is so beautiful to me. One of the things that hit me one of the times I was listening to this song is I wonder if there was a part of this that was one of the things that might have been hitting Brian Wilson at this time is he saw what the Beach Boys had done and that in order to stay famous, what they were going to have to do. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of knew that this album, it's a one-off. It wasn't going to land for them. This doesn't get to be what the Beach Boys are. I feel like he knew that and he saw that future and hated it. There's a little bit of that in this song. That's a great point. I think his dad was telling him through the writing of this, yeah, this is okay, but you know the guys are going to hate it. They're going to hate it because it's not what they'd been doing. What an awful place to be where you can't grow as a musician at all and as an artist Yeah, because you're just tied to the formula. You're completely right. What speaks to that a lot is that we've kind of hinted at is what they ended up having to be in the 70s and the 80s and the... This band did fucking Kokomo. Coke, I was like, going to say, it's Kokomo. <sighs> what the hell? Yeah. You could not have written this album and then be okay with playing with fucking Jesse from Full House. Like, this doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's not okay. And I think he kind of saw that coming. What's this? Is it Smile? Smile al- came next. I think he was trying to work on something more like this, and he wasn't able to end up doing it. And so he, came- what's the actual name of the album? Is it Smiley Smile or something? No, like that? Smiley Smile was Beach Boys. His was just Smile. That's right, because he was trying to make Smile be a Beach Boys album, but it wasn't ever going to be. Which that's got to be so disheartening. Like- and I think at the same time, like the fact that. Good Vibrations ended up on that album instead of Pet Sounds. Yes. From what I've read, that was his decision. That had been written and was possibly going to be put on this album. And from what I read, Capitol was putting so much pressure on the timing of it to get it done. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have it fully formed. He had parts of it. And he ended up putting that on Smile instead God, on one hand, I wish so much that it had been on Pet Sounds because to me that would have taken Pet Sounds to just being the best of their body work ever. But was it also like a brilliant move to say, hey, I'm going to do this other thing. I better put something that's goddamn guaranteed to hit Mm -hmm. on it. To be, because he very obviously cared a lot about his position in the industry, being seen as a good musician that can write And to hear in interviews that Paul McCartney, Mm -hmm. no one is educated musically until they've heard Pet Sounds. The orchestra, the arrangements, 
It may be going overboard to say it's the classic of the century, but to me, it certainly is a total classic record that is unbeatable in many ways. I've often played Pet Sounds and cried. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan, every every fucking musician that was worth a grain of salt said this was brilliant. But then the critics and even a couple of the people in his band and like you said, his father, how frustrating is that got to be? A lot of critics, even in the time, they did think it was groundbreaking. You know, that's the crux. Like if you've never heard anything like that before, how do you critique it? Yeah. Everything that you read about Pet Sounds says... This was the first of its kind. Nothing had ever been heard like this. Nothing had ever been created like this. How does that slot into any genre, let alone the sound of the times? It got really well received in England, probably because of, you know, the Beatles loving it had a lot to do with that. But I don't think that it got totally panned. I think it just was so avant-garde. People just didn't know what to do with it. It's like when people heard Steely Dan for the first time, they're like, what? is this and the fact that capital put like zero marketing into it and instead just decided this is not where we're going with this so we're going to put out a greatest hits album yeah less than two months after this comes out and we're not throwing any money no marketing money went toward it you're damned if you do and damned if you don't very very true you go through all that work produce it the way he produced it you get the wrecking crew in you're making sure that while somebody plays the piano, you're plucking a string with a bobby pin to make it sound exactly the way you want it to. Like you are down to the, I can't even think of another comparison of another form of art. Maybe like a the playwright to 12 Angry Men or something. Like (laughs) not one word is not important kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you give it to your record label and they're like, ah, there aren't any hits on this. Sorry. Next. I think it's that story sometimes of how like being the first makes you a martyr. You try something new, you come up with something that's genius, but because no one knows what to do with it, no one knows how to market it. Mm -hmm. It catches listeners off, like mainstream off guard. To me, this album is like, uh, its significance is its contribution to everything that came after it. And Mm -hmm. that's why I say it's like Wilson was a martyr in that regard where like there was no way this was gonna it's so hard to visualize this as being like the poppy success that everything else the beach boys did before you know was or anything that was out at the time i mean keeping in mind too it was their 12th album yeah when you break a formula after 12 it seems fair to me but (laughs) it only hit the top 10 in the states is that right but even that is a huge accomplishment like i i think a lot of times because of you know how different it was and and how much expectation and yeah expectation it's like we kind of forget or gloss over the fact that gosh it, i mean like it still went to the top 10 yeah that's Which true is, it's great especially for what it was especially yeah. without marketing support right sloop b got put on there because of the record label saying it has to be you know so even despite all of those weird combinations to still get to number 10 as a record label how do you hear god only knows and not think that that's going to be popular i think you have to think about the politics of the day it was a different time you know religion was touchy true blasphemy like there were certain stations that wouldn't play it because it had the word god in it and they thought it was taking god's name in vain good lord (laughs) i didn't even do that on purpose (laughs) (laughs) The French horn in that is so good. It's beautiful. Ugh. 
Sloop John B, which you talked about, that they kind of were told they had to use that. I like the, I think I'm probably just overthinking this, but I like the juxtaposition of the Beach Boys seeing this song that is more of this down Easter Alexa, Billy Joel type of thing, like the hardships <laughs> of boat island life. It's such a weird thing to me for the Beach Boys to do. Well, it's a remake, right? I mean... Yeah. That almost makes it more like you chose to do it. Fair. You know what I mean? Did they, though, or did they have to do it? You're probably right, because I definitely would go towards the side of labels idiocracy of <laughs> having the Beach Boys sing this song. Then I would... The label was like, you need to do the song. So... Brian Wilson dropped a bunch of acid, listened to the folk, the Caribbean folk song and was like, yep. And then like made his arrangement while he was tripping balls. Because I like that. This is the worst trip I've been on. It's a lyric that's oh. changed from the original. Yeah, that wasn't supposed to be trip, was it? Nope. It was the worst ship. I've ever been on. To me, I feel like this is like a tongue-in-cheek, a private fu to the label. Like it's that's, on there. That's kind of how I like to look at it. It's a little bit of an fu from Brian Wilson. I'm happy I that I it ends up this. in the middle. It would feel really awkward, but the fact that it kind of divides the A and B that at least gives me a little bit of solace on this. I have so much here. We can't. We just can't go over all this. You can, you can do whatever you want. That's yeah, true. It's your show. Um, it's your podcast. There's the other song on this that is kind of about... Drugs? Drugs. I know there's an answer. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. That was also one of the songs that was a little bit controversial pre-release between the production team and the members of the Beach Boys. There was some controversy within the band members because the band members thought that... It was too much of a druggy song or like a song that was too easily uh, translated into that direction, yeah. but it didn't have enough singularity to it. From what I read, Mike Love had the worst time with it. He was really against the drug aspect of it. He didn't like mm -hmm. the whole LSD thing. And I love thinking about what Brian Wilson was thinking about when he wrote this song. <laughs> you could read this as a commentary of people that use drugs to help them through things and how that's not going to help them in the end. You can look at this as a commentary of people that are against people that use drugs to open up their mind and how that's closed-minded. It might be Brian Wilson having both those thoughts at the same time in his head and using this song to be like, I have no idea what the fuck to think about anything, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things. I'm very, very into the lyrics of this song. I'm very into the bass harmonica <laughs> in this song. That does not, not surprise me those. at all. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a cool game. Like I said, we could go on about this forever. I think that we are best left to talking about some of the other songs in the awards and categories. We're gonna take a break, we'll be right back. Your body melt with mine. Nothing else could feel so right. Just you. When I hold you through the night, yeah. <laughs> we, we are back. Our dear friend Carrie. Carrie, are you regretting yet that I picked this album for you? You didn't even really get a say. I didn't get any say, but I couldn't be happier. This is Good. so much fun. It's just so nice to talk about music with people who love music, you know? Yeah. I've been terrified for the past 40 minutes. <laughs> what? 
Still am. This album Why? terrifies me as much as I think it's groundbreaking and amazing. I'm still terrified to talk about it. I don't know. Okay, you need to explain that. I'll admit it was a hard, it's a hard one for me to listen to. Mm -hmm. Why? I guess there were so many times where I just had to ask, like, why? It's it, like, yeah. during like, the course of listening. It, why was it like, written? Or no, like, why, why that Why did right he make then? that choice? Why okay. did yeah. this, there were so many of those moments where I was, I was just kind of trying to put myself in Wilson's head. Oh, don't do that. And I, no, I couldn't. <laughs> I think that's why I'm terrified. Like, I just don't understand. I'm getting there, but it's so hard to listen. And while you're listening, understand where it's coming from. I'm horrible with like grasping what's behind the lyrics without words to help make sense of it. It, it was very, it was an awkward experience. I felt very awkward Interesting. and uncomfortable. This, this, album makes me sort of uncomfortable does it melodically make you uncomfortable i think more intellectually and orchestration okay for me there is a true i don't want to say grew up with it but if you haven't had this in your catalog half your life or a decade or whatever you want to say you're kind of at a bit this isn't one of those albums that you listen to three times and you get it figured out even my what three or four weeks that i've been studying for this I'm going to feel different about this today than I am in five years than I am in 10 years kind of thing. And there's also a lot of pressure, you know, when we're talking about pet sounds, there's going to be people that come to listen to this episode <laughs> that will never listen to another episode. And I will get one or two emails. You obviously don't know music kind of thing, uh, which Ouch. is fine. But there's also, there is a little bit of pressure there. I mean, we're talking about fucking pet sounds. It's, top five most respected talked about albums of all time it's it's a lot isn't it number two on rolling stones 500 i know Ooh, we haven't gotten there. there yet <laughs> <laughs> we got a long ways to go but <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's it's number two on rolling stones top 500 the david crosby met award for bad reviews this is oh. by cowboy 62 <laughs> <laughs> it's one out of wait, five wait. stars i love it already cowboy 62 was the, cowboy the... 61 taken yes. <laughs> surprise it's not a 69 in the title like usually those people put that in there title of it is are you kidding me too much brian and drugs sorry but dot 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 ellipsis i have been a beach boys fan for 50 years and this thing is the emperor's new clothes and sergeant pepper's crap band combined <laughs> so he's just putting it all out there uh, i love it i saw the beach boys in concert in the 60s and again about five years ago they are fantastic and always have been but this piece of drivel is terrible and obviously crazy brian had way too much influence I know, I know, he's a genius, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> daddy made him cry and drugs compounded the problem and it shows. So not only is this guy an idiot, but he's a dick. I have had numerous Beach Boys albums over the years, but somehow missed Pet Sounds, which is supposed to be the creme de la creme. Sorry, but it strikes me as a, do you know what he's going to say here? Mm. Creme no. de la crap. Yep. Crap. Sure, the real songs are great, as always, but just buy them on a Greatest Hits album. Avoid this dud. The real songs? I think he means like, wouldn't it be nice? Okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, That's good. That's a good one. Cowboys. Maybe 62. there's 61 other cowboys before him that think differently. Daddy made him cry. <laughs> like, 
Well, okay, considering he saw them live in the 60s and he's been a fan for 50 years, we're talking about a generation that does not have a lot of tolerance for yeah. people talking about their feelings. So, so I, I guess we just give him mad props for even knowing how to leave a review on Amazon. Yeah, fair. <laughs> I know that we've kind of already touched on a lot of this. The DMX Award, Carrie, what makes this project unique? The concept album aspect of it. We have a piece of work that needs to be listened to in its entirety as opposed to in pieces. No one had seen an album that needed to be listened to in that way. So I think that's what makes it unique. I think he had all these sounds in his head that he needed to get out and they needed to figure out how to do that. And whether that was like with bobby pins on the piano, whether it was with, I read that Hal Blaine took orange juice containers and and put like wax paper and stuff over them and to make these clip clop sounds. And, <laughs> you know, there was just so many innovative things that happened with this album that he would not settle. He had that sound in his head and it, there was no good enough for this album. I mean, that's the right take. Having a group like the Beach Boys, cars and beaches and surfing and women and to have a writer that's going to do this, which like we talked about from song one is, is about whatever it's about. It's about being in love with somebody and it's probably not going to work into the complications of what I've done to you and what you've done to me and, and you loving this other man and me hoping someday you could love me as much until you get to the very last song, which we didn't even talk about the Caroline. No, it is this just journey of of a beautiful heartbreak that all of us have been through. It's such a full piece of art. The sound design made it really unique for me. Yeah. Like, like Carrie was just talking about the things that they would think of or come up with to make some of the sounds. No limits. It's just like orange juice containers and whack, you know, you just have to try a bunch of stuff and then like, yep, that's it. That's the sound that is in my head. Mm -hmm. Anything that you can put a microphone on to get what you're looking for. Having an upright bass and an electric bass on the same song. On the same in, song. Playing yeah. in two different keys. Who did that? The Mark Lanigan True Rockstar Award. Carrie, what makes Brian Wilson or the Beach Boys or this project rock? A rock star? If it's not right, it's not right. I read a thing about how there would be a session called. They wouldn't play a single note because he didn't feel that the vibe was right. Thousands of dollars because these guys are all session players, union scale. Like He didn't care. If it's not right, we're not doing it. I mean, that's the right answer. And yes, it was very much Brian Wilson's project. Do you have anything to add to that, Sven? Uh, no, Carrie wins. <laughs> yeah. I just, the only thing I said was hardcore drugs. Yeah. It's, I think you said on one of the songs, Spend, you said, I think he dropped a lot of acid and then wrote this thing. I mean, you could say that. I think about every single song yeah. on this. Hey, so, it was the original Thug Life. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still coming off the Tupac the, the episode. Tupac Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Actually, this, I could see the answers going a few ways to this. Carrie, what's hmm. your answer to this? I said in its time that it was underrated. Currently, I think it's properly rated. I'm just nodding my head over here. I was going to say the same thing. I feel like it took time for the people that have been influenced by this album have circled back around and now have their own people that they're influencing and people are looking back on 
the that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think this would have been as much of a critical darling current day if it was much more popular when it came out? I'm wondering if know. the critiquing in its time helps the current day look at brilliance in this album. I don't think it does because I think the people that did think it was brilliant back then are the ones that soaked it in and learned from it and yeah. contributed moving forward. The critics are kind of a mute point. It, it doesn't affect today's rating. I think there were enough people that got it. It's not like one of these things where when it came out, it was just completely panned. Because I think that happens sometimes when something is really panned and then later on it's like, what were you thinking? No, it's mm-hmm. like it, it did get pretty good reviews, not terrible reviews. I agree with Sven. I think. Influences and influencees. <laughs> Does anybody have a interesting or original way to answer this? No. I don't think it's original. but Not I think, original. I think he was influenced heavily by Phil Spector sound. Yep. He was influenced by the Beatles, which is pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. The two bands that stick out for me as besides the Beatles being influenced by this album are XTC without question and actually Pink Floyd. It's, yeah. 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 I can't listen to Wouldn't It Be Nice without getting Be My Baby in my head. Hmm. Every time I hear Wouldn't It Be Nice, my head immediately goes be my, be my baby, like every single fucking time. Interesting. I'm just going to say that. That's it. But influences everybody. It influenced everybody. It influenced how people write albums, produce albums. It influenced the people that were in the studio. Never mind the Bullocks Award. Carrie, is this the Beach Boys' best album? This is so scary to answer. Is it? It is for me. Because I don't think it can be properly classified as a Beach Boys album. Oh. I don't. Uh, okay. And I'm getting really like into the nitty gritty of it. But I like it though. I think this has far more Brian Wilson influence to actually be classified as, as a Beach Boys album. He wrote almost all of it mm-hmm. with them not even in the room. It is not the best Beach Boys album, but if you're going to say it is a Beach Boys album, then hell yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) So is it the best Brian Wilson album? I think so. Yes. For me, it's no contest. Look, I have a lot of respect for what the Beach Boys did and what they did for the industry, but I'm not even a huge Beach Boys fan. Even their massive songs like Little Deuce Coop and Fun, Fun, Fun. I don't, I can kind of take or leave those. Mm-hmm. So this is a whole new fucking ball game for me. Uh, what about you, Sven? Maybe number two for me. I think I like Surf's Up more. Okay. But I have to not think of it as a Beach Boys album in order to wrap my head around it. Now I think I'm starting to realize I think a lot of what gives me the mental workout when listening to this and, and why I say it was a hard listen is so much of the production is rooted in that Phil Spector sound, the the yeah. wall of sound technique. It made picking individual instrument parts apart a lot more difficult because yeah. of the layering and how That's many. True. Just trying to figure out what that one instrument is doing. You have to like really focus and it's a lot of work. I'm lazy. I'm a lazy listener sometimes, you know, most of the time. Carrie, I have a really important question. Okay. What, what's your shirt? My shirt? Yeah. This is Surrealized. What is that? 
This is my kidney recipients band. There we go. Okay. I wear their swag whenever I can. What kind of music is it? Electropop. We like electropop. It's yeah, great. They're great. They're really, really great. Uh, they just finished uh, an album. They, I mean, they released an album last year, and they are writing one right now. And they're just, they're so great. What's the album called? Their newest album's called Density. That well, that's damn. good to know. They're really cool and, and really cool people. Well, very cool. Check that band out. I got to check that band out. Check them out. They're really cool. The John Paul Jones Award. I know that this is a ludicrous question for this album, but <laughs> we got to do what we got to do. They didn't already get them. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie, yeah. throw someone in this album, take someone out, whatever, what have you. What would you do? I would not take anyone out, but I, I have two answers. The first one is the horse. <laughs> I really wish I could know what he wanted the horse to do, whether it was the sound of the walking or if it was like the, (laughs) that sound. I think if he would have just waited to do this after Monty Python figured out the coconuts. (laughs) The coconuts. The coconuts. Yeah, totally. That was my cheeky answer. And my real answer is I wish there would have been a female voice on it. Maybe someone like Mama Cass or someone in Ooh. that vein of like that folky kind of chest voice to head voice. Someone like Janis Joplin would have been a little too crazy, a little but too much. Nina Simone wouldn't have quite fit oh. the genre. Mama Cass or someone like that would have been really interesting just to throw a new texture into it. I only have a smart ass answer. I don't really have a real, I think it's perfect <laughs> the way it is. Those are the best answers though. But if if Chuck Mangione could have found a way to get some flugelhorn, well now you have to drink. Into- <laughs> oh darn! That was um, not on purpose at all. I also said female vocalist. Oh, I think it would only work on a couple songs, but I want the Ronettes on there. Okay. I want. Uh, hey, he talked about be my baby. Just fucking put him on there. I want some female vocals on that. Yeah. Honestly, the right answer is you're not going to, nobody's going to touch it. Hey, new award this year. No, dude, seriously. (laughs) You have one song to show a friend to get them into this album. Carrie, what is that song? Do I have to go first? You don't, no. Can I pass? Sven. Only because I'm curious. Sven, Uh. did you forget about this one? I don't (laughs) I didn't write one down. My answer is God only knows. I, I, I just, I'm not a huge Beach Boys guy. That song's brilliant. Everybody that hears it knows it's brilliant. And if you listen to that and you think, meh, then this is just not for you at all. Just wasn't made for these times. That's such a good song. I very nearly said what you said, but I should have just used my opportunity when I had it. But then you took it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Carrie. I'm in your camp. It's, It's God only knows. Yeah. It's just the perfect little entry drug into this album john popper svend what's the best hook on this album this is a lame answer wouldn't it be nice just because i think it's so damn familiar it really is (laughs) it's the it's crawling back to safety of most classic beach boys thing you're gonna find on this you're not supposed to do this according to the unwritten rules that i made up in my own head but uh god only knows for me is the same that revolving door of beauty it's such a good hook uh carrie what about you i am with fend on this one wouldn't it be nice it's so recognizable and 
part of the reason it it sticks is that it has that classic Beach Boys sound that chugging along of the shuffle and it's got the sound for me and the lyrics just come out shot out of a can and he's just right there as loud as he can and happy and yep then the rest of the album happens (laughs) uh (laughs) Sven john prine best lyric award i mean like break my heart i want to go and cry it's so sad to watch a sweet thing die oh caroline why yeah, the like, lyrics to that song are very, very good. I keep circling back to that, but I, I don't know that I've weighed it properly with the entire album. First off, this isn't my answer because it can't be my answer for every single thing. But just <laughs> the the line, God only knows what I'd be without you is, is a beautiful line. Not where I'd be, what I'd be without you. That's fantastic. I've been trying hard to find the people that I won't leave behind. Oh, man. Mm. And then they say I got brains, but they ain't doing me no good. I wish they could. That to me speaks to the he keeps being told that he's brilliant, but at the same time, nobody's understanding him. God damn, there are some good lines on this album. (laughs) (laughs) I have three. The first is, you know, it seems the more we talk about it, it only makes it worse to live without it. Yeah. And that to me is like the early version of you don't know what you got till it's gone. You know, mm, yep. it's that idea. The second one is really simple. Just, I guess I just wasn't made for these times. Like, yeah. How simple is that? But I think my very favorite line on the whole album, I could try to be big in the eyes of the world. What matters to me is what I could be to just one girl. Yeah. Those are really, really good. <laughs> The Eddie Van Halen Award. I think I'm going to go right back to Carrie. I think it's it's not even a solo. It's sort of a riff. It's the opening on Wouldn't It Be Nice. It's that crazy guitar, millions of sounds. Whatever the hell it is. Whatever the hell it is. That's what I said. You know, let's go away for a while. I do know it. <laughs> I just studied it. You just studied it. <laughs> so there's this thing that I've read is not a guitar slide, but like a bottle, beer bottle, Coke bottle, something like that. Coca-Cola bottle. It makes a guitar sound kind of like a steel string guitar. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. That's my go-to. It's a good answer. It is. Surfer Rosa Award. This is obviously a well-balanced album. I actually like the B-side more than the A-side on this. Just my preference. I think that he purposefully kind of made it a little more complex as it went. Speaking again to the whole kind of start, a little bit surface level, you zoom out and you see the whole situation. I think I like the, I don't know, I like the side one better, first half. Nothing wrong with the second half. I honestly think that it's really close. Not that it's really that much stronger. I think the whole album kind of holds its own. I'm with you, DL. I enjoy the B-side more. It's more depressing, but it's, for me, more powerful. It's actually, this is a good album for, you know, Sven, you are a little more A-side and I'm a little more (laughs) B-side. And since Carrie likes me more than you, she likes the (laughs) B-side. Ouch. (laughs) All I said is I don't like IPAs. Come on No, we can read between the lines, Carrie. It's okay. (laughs) Now we got to get to the hard questions. Carrie, Mm -hmm. Time Your Life Award, what is the worst song on this album? It's Sloop John B for me. It's the most throwaway song for me. It's the song that doesn't fit the album for me. True. Like when I hear the instrumentals, I'm like, 
I love them. And I always have wondered, like, would the album have been stronger with two songs? And I think both of those songs were supposed to have lyrics to them, but they either didn't have time or didn't want to add them. But mm-hmm. and, and then I go, would they be stronger? And then I think, no, I just come back to the fact that Sloop John B is put in there deliberately to sell albums. And I really don't like that. It's the least strong song content wise. And it's also kind of boring for me. <laughs> it really is like uh, with, with an album that is so complex orchestrally mm-hmm. and the arrangements to just have this like, Oh, I get it. Eh, really? When you go from some of those other songs that are so beautiful with the most amazing changes. I don't know. I thought what you just sang was pretty nice. <laughs> I would listen to that. Sven, what's the worst song on this album? Is there a worst song? Um, here today. Mm, huh. Really? There's something really annoying going on with the bass guitar in that song. Oh, the octave higher bass yeah. than you're you're like expecting a, a lower octave bass. Maybe that's yeah. I think that's there's just something off again. You know, if you listen to that song in the mono version, you can't listen to it in the remastered stereo version. You can hear people talking, and you can also hear Brian Wilson say, "Top." They left oh. it in. It's the only one because there was. They said it was a very sloppy recording overall. I might have agreed with you, except for that fact. You can hear that stuff in there and they left it in, which I think is rad. That is really cool. I pretty much tried to keep it to just the mono version. My Time of Life, the My Time of Your Life Award is, see, I've been drinking, Carrie. (laughs) Uh, My Time of Your Life Award is actually You Still Believe in Me. (gasps) Yeah. I think it's a beautiful song. Okay. I am so much a nobody's perfect type of guy. Affairs happen things happen. Nobody's perfect. (laughs) I am very much a believer that you have no idea what somebody's life is like. These black and white things that you do or don't judge people on is ridiculous. People are who they are. They do what they do. I will always have a problem with musicians singing. It's not even a woe is me. It's a, I've done the terrible things and you still love me there's something in my head that i just i have a problem with usher a victim singing. song Confe- yes turning it into a almost a hero's tale i can respect that i'm not mad at you because you did it i'm mad at you because you're singing a fucking song about it like, <laughs> <laughs> but that leads us to the fun question and I, this is this is gonna be interesting i'm gonna have sven go first sven what are your three favorite songs on this album at three god only knows and then after that, um, let's go away for a while because mm. you know me and instrumentals. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just wasn't made for these times was my number one. That's your number one. It is. Okay. Uh, I will go next because I think Carrie, our guest, deserves to be last. Mm. You got to end with the bang. <laughs> my three favorite songs on this. I think there's going to be some conversation here. Uh, my number three and it was really, 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 really hard for me to leave out uh, Caroline No. I love that song. But I Know There's an Answer is my number three. I love the arrangement. I love the complexities that can be drawn from the lyrics of that song. It's really smart. My number two is God Only Knows. I think it's kind of one of those perfect songs that was written. And it's kind of the easy answer, but easy answers are easy for a reason. My number one. It's Carrie's least favorite song on this album. 
I fucking love Sloop John B. The playful song mixed with the the kind of the darker content of the lyrics, if you really pay attention to it, the backstory of it, that maybe it is a little bit of a middle finger to the... I just... I also think that this is one of those songs, you know, when you listen to a brilliant album and your favorite song changes year after year after year, I'm in the beginning of this relationship. This is my catchy. I'm in the honeymoon phase. I want the fun, catchy stuff. Carrie, what are your three favorite songs on this? Sorry. I'm just still a little speechless about I I I respect you and care about you. Just a little less now. I think I need to drink more. (laughs) I really wish I'd made another cocktail. Um, Okay, so I I want to reiterate, my favorite song is not in the three songs that I think are the best songs on the album. My favorite song on this album is I Wasn't Made For These Times. I'm with you, Sven. I just wasn't made for these times either. My number (laughs) three is DL's least favorite. So get ready for this face. You still believe in me. Um, not for the content because, uh, I actually agree with you. I, I kind of don't like victim songs either, but what Mike Love does on this song for me is just spectacular. The vocal arrangement on this song and the melody, just the melody on its own. If you sang that melody with nothing else, that is a great song. Um, number two is Caroline No. I yeah. love the backstory on it too because it's someone that he never even went out with. Mm-hmm. It was someone that he just had a crush on and then later on told, like way later on, and totally creeped her out because he started calling her and telling her that the song was about her. And it was not meant to be called Caroline No. It was That's originally right. written by Tony Asher as Carol I Know. Yeah. And Brian Wilson just heard it as Caroline No. And I'm so glad he did because it's so much more powerful. It is. And my number one is the easiest answer because easy answers are easy. It's God Only Knows because for me on this album, it's the greatest song on the album for sure and probably one of the greatest songs ever written. Such a beautiful sentiment, but also the arrangement. It's phenomenal. What's the first line of that song? I may not ever love, I may not always love you. I may not always love you. That's a ballsy fucking line for a first song of a love song. Yeah, I'm sure Capital <laughs> loved that. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What did he just say? <laughs> <laughs> There's only a couple questions left. We'll go right back to you, Carrie. Mm. Uh, who won this album? I think the Beatles won this album <laughs> because... All of the comments that I've read say that Sgt. Pepper's wouldn't exist without this album. And also I think it was an album that John and Paul could actually agree on that they both loved and that influenced both of them in a lot of ways. You know, just the rarity of that alone. And so in turn, I guess we all won because the Beatles made Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, it's a pretty good album. It's all right. It's all right. Sven, who won this album? Yeah, I'm going to state it because the people listening couldn't see my arms flailing up <laughs> when <laughs> Carrie said the Beatles. It's like, yep, I, that's that's exactly, I agree, 100%. Uh, I wrote down the Beatles and thereby all of us. And really, you could list like all the other influences, but the thing that I think makes this album so great isn't the actual album itself. It was the catalyst that triggered all these other awesome ideas that came after it 
so yeah, we we all win. Your answers are better. Mine is boring, but mine's the right answer. Brian Wilson won the album. He kind of lost the album too, but he won the album. This made all the other brilliant people say, that guy wrote Pet Sounds. This put Brian Wilson in that kind of untouchable, godlike stratosphere. Songs are written about him. You know, I didn't think that much about the about the Beach Boys until I heard the Bare Naked Ladies song, Brian Wilson Bare Naked Ladies song. If these guys are writing a song about Brian Wilson, there's a brilliance there that I need to figure out. And this is when I was really like what 90 something that that song came out. Your Canadian buddies Bare Naked Ladies, right, Carrie? Hey, hey. <laughs> um Chickadee China. When I was in my early 20s, I used to be like a professional radio contest winner like it wasn't my job <laughs> but I don't know what it was but I won every kind of contest there was whether it was like you win money or you win concert t- like I saw like you were caller number 12 all the yeah, time or and then I'm not kidding like I saw everyone from the cranberries to the police to get this <laughs> I won a trip from Vancouver to Whistler And the prize was I got to go to the Bare Naked Ladies show at the top of Whistler. The like extra prize was that I had the chance to sit in a hot tub with them after the show. (laughs) (laughs) Can't get away with that nowadays. Six pasty Canadians in a hot tub (laughs) with one girl. (laughs) That was by far the weirdest radio contest I've ever yeah. won. No, you could not do that today. No. Oh. Were I they gentlemen I, at least? They were didn't want to be there and were oh, like that's really, nice. really bored. And I was just like, ha, ha, hi, how's it going? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> that's so fucking weird. It oh. was so weird. So we don't have to repeat that anywhere. That does not have to be any part of this broadcast. Just I, I thought you, you, you cannot up, say a story like that and have it not be on the podcast. Gary. You brought up you brought up the bare naked ladies, and I was like, wait a minute. That time I sat in a Just hot tub with them in Whistler because I was a professional radio contest winner. Yep, wow. that happened, and <laughs> that's fantastic. So there we go. All right, uh, person who is. <laughs> How do you recover um, now? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, Carrie, how would you rate this album, Carrie? I rate this a nine out of ten simply because of Sloop John B. Which is the best song in the album. That's so weird that you would do that. Weird, yeah. <laughs> no, I think, it's, I think it's fabulous. I think it's groundbreaking. I think it was the first of many albums to be concept albums but i also think the vision of one person who was very damaged and also a perfectionist said i'm not going to settle for anything less than what i hear in my head and i'm going to make sure it goes down in history as one of the best albums ever made in the mortal words of cowboy 62 daddy made him cry (laughs) um i'm giving this with an asterisk eight out of ten musical elitists that will now stop listening to this podcast because I gave this an eight out of 10. I do think that someday this could very well be a 10 out of 10 for me for now. It's an eight out of 10. Sven, what about you? It's a 62. (laughs) I love it. Is it 62 Cowboys or just 62? Yes. It's 62 Cowboys. (laughs) 
I mean, that's about as close as I can get to. We wouldn't be where we are in the world of music without it. It's significant. It's important. That's it. That's Pet Sounds, everybody. I think we did a pretty damn good job, all things considered. For those of you that, well, you didn't talk about that third piano that they had. and Go ahead and write me. I'll acknowledge it. You all need to join us next because we're talking to Carrie again. We're talking about her new album, If When You Go, which Sven and I both love. We're going to talk about why we love it. Carrie, you're one of our favorite people. I think the podcast pretty much universally, the four of us just have one big giant crush on you. And it's, I don't think it's going to go away. Thank you so much for being on. Well, the feeling is mutual. You guys are two of my favorite people. And please say hello to Rachel and Evil from me. And I I can't wait to do it again. Be careful climbing that mountain too. Stay safe. Uh, No kidding. Like I said, if this is the last you ever hear from me, just know (laughs) you're good humans doing good things in the world. And I'm proud of you and impressed by you and so happy that you're here. Every step you take on that mountain, just think DL and Sven need you to come back alive. You know, I think I'm going to be singing every step I take. I'll just be like, Bermuda. (laughs) (laughs) And then I will die. And uh, And you'll be okay with it because that song's stuck in your head. There it is. Uh, Everybody, uh, we love you. Good night and good luck. Good night.